Welcome to the One Byte Podcast, where we will take a look at the integration of computer science and other technologies into the K-12 classroom, one byte at a time. Here's your host, Robert Lane. Welcome to the One Byte Podcast. This is episode five. In episodes one through four, I kind of just started the podcast and kind of gave some ideas of things I've been doing in the classroom. And I would really like to get a lot deeper with you um, each week as we work toward integrating computer science into our K-12 classroom. So I thought I would start today with looking at some, some computer science standards. So I teach in Ohio, and Ohio in 2018 actually came out with the first set of Ohio learning standards for computer science. Now, I'm not sure what computer science standards you have in your state, but I know that a lot of states are going toward the adoption of their own computer science standards. So I thought we would start today with algorithms. Algorithms is a set of skills that we really need in computer science because without a good algorithm, we don't have a good plan or the right steps to make our programs work. And so as I read through and we discuss the computer science standards based on algorithms in the state of Ohio, you can see how you might interpret that into your own classroom. And you're going to see that it really falls into a lot of the math and a lot of even some of the language arts that we do in our K-12, especially the K to five or six levels in our classrooms. So if you are a content teacher, that's great. You can still integrate it in. Or if you're that self-contained teacher, you can see where it actually can combine some different disciplines as you try to integrate your computer science. So let's start with kindergarten. Um, so for the algorithmic thinking and programming for algorithms, this is what it says for kindergarten. It says, with guidance and support, which of course, they're kindergartners, they're going to need, with guidance and support, model a real-world process by constructing and following step-by-step -step directions to complete tasks. Now, when they have the step-by-step -step directions, they have an example of algorithm. So an algorithm is just a step-by-step -step set of directions. So you talk to your kindergartners, hey, this morning when you brushed your teeth, it's really important that we remind our, our students that they should brush their teeth before they come to school or after they eat. So talk to them. What, what are the different steps? And this doesn't have to be on the computer. This can just be a discussion. Maybe on a smart board you have different pictures of the steps or maybe the students you work on the words that go toward those directions. So in kindergarten, you're probably already working on directions. What are the directions for going to the bathroom? You know, we, we have to wait for the teacher to tell us to line up. We line up in a straight line. We walk to the bathroom. You know, we go to the bathroom. We wash our hands. We get back in line. We walk back to the classroom. And there are just tons of steps in between all of those. And so you can start working on algorithmic thinking 
in kindergarten. Now in first grade, they actually for the for algorithms the the skill or the the standard is exactly the same with guidance model a real world process by constructing and following step by step directions to complete tasks. So it's actually exactly the same. Well, that's that's great, and you would continue modeling that into the first grade. Maybe you go from what I just said about going to the bathroom to where you get up, you walk so many steps to the line. If someone's in front of you, you get behind them, and you don't have to tell them that you're using an if statement. If someone's in line, you get behind them. Or else, if there's not, you go to the front of the line. So you don't have to tell them that they're actually starting if-else statements in loops, and there's conditions that that make us decide what to do. But by talking about it, the students are getting this idea. And so even as early as kindergarten and first grade, I really think we can start using the word algorithm. Just because they may not know what it is doesn't mean we don't use the word. So we can say algorithm and then tell them what it means. So that would be your K, your K1 example. When you're working on, you know, addition and subtraction, you can start working on here are the step-by-steps instructions to add things together. Again, we talked about, you know, just following directions and having instructions. That's that's your ELA standards. Your ELA is all about communication and writing and reading of the that writing, those instructions. And so you can see how that would easily fit into our K-1 standards. Now, in the second grade, it leaves off the with guidance and just says model a real-world process by constructing and following step-by-step instructions to complete tasks. So in second grade, we can actually start to expect them to come up with some step-by-step instructions for tasks. Now, you know your learners better than anyone, so you'll know if it's, you know, if it's appropriate to have simple tasks or if it's something you want to elaborate on. But think about where your students come from and talk about instructions that they already know, maybe making a peanut butter sandwich. But at the same time, be aware that your students might not come with the same set of experiences. For example, when I was teaching third grade, we had to do uh, step-by-step instructions as a piece of writing. And the writing prompt that was given by the state way back then, um, they don't do this anymore. It was part of our off-year testing stuff. Um, They had to write directions on how to make the bed. So, first of all, some students don't have a bed or they share a bed. Um, We do have students who are homeless or living in shelters or living on someone's couch, living in their car, and we have to keep that into consideration when we ask them things. What was equally true was how they interpreted it to begin with. I had students that talked about how to physically make a bed. Not, 
well, we put the sheet on and we put the comforter on and our pillows and, and this and that, and maybe the order in which you would put those things on to make your bed look finished, they actually wrote instructions on how to put a bed together, like take some pieces of wood and nail them together. And I accepted that because that was how they interpreted their uh, prompt on how to make a bed. So no matter what your prompt is, keep in mind that some people interpret it differently. And that leads us to the third grade standard, which starts to change. They've started making instructions. Now in third grade it says, construct and reflect on errors in an algorithm to accomplish a given task. So you can start to talk about what is going to happen if you make this or if you follow these directions. Where will your instructions break down? Where did you interpret it incorrectly because our programs go through a compiling process and they are interpreted by some machine whether it's a robot or your computer and it may not interpret it the right way. So you get to where in third grade you're starting to think about what are the errors. Okay so what did you forget? What went wrong? And sometimes I've done in classes, I've had students uh, take a picture, a simple picture, and they're looking at the picture, and another student is across from them, and they can't see the picture, and you have to give instructions on how to draw that picture. Maybe it's a simple shape, so you could be integrating your math with your different shapes. You know, it depends upon what grade level. But in third grade, you know, you're talking about two-dimensional and maybe getting a little bit into solids. And you could have them draw that. And that way you could see, okay, where were the errors? What did they forget to tell you? And when you look at the finished product after you've given the instructions, you can see that those instructions were wrong. And so now we're starting to think about the errors because we have to be precise in our instructions, in our algorithms. Okay, let's move on to grade four. Uh, grade four for Ohio says construct and refine an algorithm to accomplish a given task. So instead of just kind of making step-by-step -step instructions and maybe even reflecting on them, now we are refining, we are refining our instructions. And so we're working on that editing process, we're working on that debugging process with our errors, and we're refining it, we're making it better. So yes, third grade finds the errors. Fourth grade, we're trying to fix the errors and come up with a better set of instructions. This can also include if we find that there is some extra instructions that we really don't need, that all it does is it makes it more confusing. So that happens sometimes that our instructions we just add extra things that we really don't need, and sometimes it can create conflicts. Okay, moving on to grade five, it says evaluate a multi-step process to diagram the proper steps to solve a problem. So now we have, we let's see, third grade, we look for errors. Fourth grade, we refined it, try to make it better. Fifth grade, we're actually evaluating our process. We're starting to diagram 
are those the proper steps to solve a problem? We're, we're starting to map it out a little bit. So again, this is we could be integrating this into into math. We could be talking about you know multi-step addition problems like your your two to three four-digit addition problems. We could talk start talking about long division and how we follow an algorithm to do long division, um, adding and subtracting of fractions. You can see how there's all kind of different processes that we have to go through. So you can be having them write these instructions that have to do with something already in your curriculum. And you say, we're just building an algorithm. You know, we're, we're writing ourselves a little program to follow. We haven't done any coding at all. Now, could you be doing coding in your classroom as well? We certainly could. But I'm trying to show you that our computer science standards, we can meet those by what we're probably already doing in the classroom. Just make sure you start saying, you're making an algorithm. And I used to like to tell kids when I was teaching fourth grade math, hey, we're doing algebra right now, or even third grade math, we're doing algebra right now. That's a, you know, that's a really big deal. They thought that was really great. Well, if you tell them, hey, you're acting like a computer scientist and you're making an algorithm without even touching a computer, they do get excited about that. So you're going to be evaluating that multi-step process. Now, when we get to sixth grade, we're going to compare and refine multiple algorithms for the same task to determine which is the most efficient. Now we're working on efficiency. Is there anything in our set of tasks or a set of steps for our task? Is there anything that could make someone confused? Is there something that could make a computer confused because you don't you don't have to have it in there. For example, um, my students, my seventh grade students right now are working in Scratch and they're some of they've made these fairy tales and some of them are finishing these up a little bit a little bit later than the others, but that's okay. And as they switch the backdrops, they're putting a swip, switch the backdrop on multiple sprites. Well that's extra code that's made Scratch get confused and then they're backdrops aren't switching properly. So they can start looking at different ways of solving the problem, the different steps, and they can look, evaluate, refine, go through all that process, and then get to the point where it's like, which one is the most efficient? Which one doesn't have extra stuff that all it does is confuse us? It just makes it confusing. Our instructions, you know, don't make any sense at that point. So we have to make it to where people know what we're talking about. And again, we're, we could still be integrating that into our language arts with, you know, this, this non-fiction instructional writing, instructional steps, directions, or we could have it in our math classrooms. And you don't have to be on some type of coding program to, to go through those, those, uh, that process go through those steps. You could if you wanted. Now in seventh grade it says select and modify pseudocode for a multi-step process to solve a problem. If you don't know what pseudocode is, pseudocode is when we start writing out our steps partly in coding language and partly in our speaking language. So English and Python. English 
and Scratch, or English and C, or C++, whatever you are programming in. So at this point, at the 7th grade level, we really do start getting into some actual coding in a classroom. Could you still work on those steps in math class? Yes. I had a student a uh, number of years ago now who took, uh, he wrote some pseudocode and I, I let him run with it. And because he was doing it all on his own time, of course. So I was like, whatever, you go with this. He made a program that would solve gas laws in chemistry class. Now, I know we're talking about seventh grade, and that's, that's way above seventh grade. But he still integrated something he was learning. So I was thinking seventh grade, they're, they're getting in more into a little bit of more algebra. Maybe they're making a program. They start writing out the pseudocode on how to solve the program. Maybe, or I should say, how to solve that problem. They make a program to solve that problem. So they're writing the pseudocode because they want to think through the steps to start with. It's kind of like you have a rough draft. You don't start writing your rough draft as your last draft. When when I was a kid, we didn't have computers to type up our our different papers like they do now in classrooms and print them out. So we started writing our rough drafts with pencil. We did not do our final copy and pen until we had gone through that refining process. Well, the pseudocode is like writing those initial first steps, that initial rough draft. And some of it is going to be in your in English or your speaking language. And some of it you start using words like if, else, or repeat, or the condition. Because that shows familiarity with with the programming language that you're trying to learn. Now, as we move into eighth grade, it's it's similar. Create multiple pseudocode to solve a multi-step process and to justify the most efficient solution. So you're working through multiple ways to solve the same problem. And then you're gonna have to then identify which one is better, give give your justification so that's a lot of language skills where you have to you know explain which one is better and justify why maybe even do some counterclaims and some rebuttals and things like that and that would really get you uh, into those ELA standards now as we move into high school of course this is gonna be more of your your coding class your computer science or programming class um, I do a lot of this with my robotics classes. So in ninth grade through 12th grade, this is at a foundational level. It says define and use appropriate problem-solving strategies and visual effects to create and refine a solution to a real-world problem. So they're using the step-by-steps to solve a problem, to create a computer program that solves a problem. So they're using all that that ability that they've gained since kindergarten to make step-by-step instructions and now they're able to think through those instructions write out that pseudocode and come up with a variety of solutions and this is for real world problems and I try to work on that with some of my robotics classes because yes it's cool to make the robot move around a table or on the floor to do fun things but 
I try to get real when I get into my Robotics 2 after they've had some experience. So for example, right now my, my Robotics 2 students are using the robot to measure um, an area of the floor. So in the real world, we're not able to always measure certain distances, but a robot can do it for us. Now we have to have it small scale because we're in a classroom, but it could be a drone flying over acres and acres of land and they'd be able to measure that. Now at the advanced level, the algorithmic thinking and programming section actually has four standards. Uh, the first one, define and explain recursive algorithms to understand how and when to apply them. So we start to learn how to make multi-step instructions that can solve a variety of problems. We start to do that to where it can be used in a lot of situations. The second one, use recursions to effectively solve problems. So again, we're working on solving those problems um, using algorithms over and over again. Um, three, it's the third one says define and explain sorting and searching algorithms to understand how and when to apply them. So steps that we can use to to use certain algorithms at certain times. Um, maybe that might get you into functions and you have different functions and okay, I'm going to use that set of instructions at this part of the program, I'm going to use that set of instructions at this part of the program and you can use them whenever it is uh, appropriate to use. And lastly, it says use sorting and searching to analyze and organize data. So you're getting into uh, using a variables at that point um, because that's analyzing and sorting of data you you have to have an algorithm for using that variable but you're going to store that data and organize that data into into a variable because that's how that's stored in a computer program so as you can see just using algorithms step-by-step -step instructions we can start doing it at the kindergarten level and it slowly builds on itself and up through those kindergarten and early elementary, intermediate elementary years, even into the junior high a little bit, those are things that you don't necessarily have to do on the computer, but you're probably already doing in the ELA or math classroom. Just make sure that you start using terms so that way the kids know what those terms mean. That the students are able to say, hey, when I ask you to make an algorithm, oh, I know what that means. And sometimes we do use that in the math classroom. We have algorithms for solving different kinds of problems. But let's make sure that we start using that vocabulary. So I encourage you, if you're not in the state of Ohio, I encourage you to look and see what standards you might have in your state. If you are in the state of Ohio, you can find those on the Ohio uh, Department of Education website, education.ohio.gov website. And when you go to the learning standards, computer science is one of the links. And I printed ours off because I don't know about you, but I always like to know where am I supposed to be getting to, what what comes next, but also what comes before, because if I have students who have missed something, I want to be able to scaffold their learning and catch them up so that they're right in line with where they're supposed to be. So I hope you found uh, this little walkthrough with algorithms helpful, and I hope it was encouraging to know that you're probably already doing algorithms, 
So if you decide to try to teach algorithms, this multi-step instructions, let me know how it goes. Uh, feel free to hit me up on theonebyte.com, that is B-Y-T-E, and you can also go to anchor.fm slash theonebyte, and you can record a question, or you can send me a, a great story that I'd love to play on this podcast. And until next time, uh, I look forward to hearing from you, and just keep integrating those computer science standards, and we'll do the very best that we can to make sure that every student is prepared for the future. Thank you for listening to the One Byte Podcast. For more information, resources, or to connect with Robert, visit theonebyte.com.